You're listening to the Men of Honor podcast, making a difference in the lives of men so they can make a difference in their community. You can listen to all previous episodes at menofhonor.club. In the church today, there are men sitting in the pews and chairs that are as useless as the furniture they're sitting on. Most of them have no clue what they need to do for God's kingdom. Some couldn't care less. Still, others are too prideful to step out beyond what they already know and are stuck in their so-called comfort zone. The church as we know it today is being run by women and a few good men. Women are very important in the church, don't get me wrong, and they need to apply their skills where needed. However, most of the men have become complacent, lazy, and disobedient when it comes to spreading the gospel, serving their families, and serving in the church. The three types of men that I just described are easy to spot. First are the men who have no clue what to do or how to do it. These guys are usually new to Christianity. They're green. They're gung-ho. They've got a new Bible and they're starting to speak Christianese, but they have very few examples of good God-fearing men after whom to model their lives. If they're not mentored and discipled soon after salvation, these guys usually fade into the crowd. Second are the guys who just couldn't care less. These guys are looking to check off Sunday morning church attendance from their to-do list, and they usually feel like they're being a good Christian man for doing so. No matter what you say or do, they will likely not change unless you show them that there's something in it for them. Their wives have dragged them along to church. Most of the time, they're polite and sometimes even nice, but they don't want to be involved in anything you have to offer. They're content to wait it out and sit in the back row. Thirdly, are the men who won't change for anything, no matter what you tell them. If it didn't come from the King James Bible, they don't want to hear a word of it. They won't let their guard down for one minute so their Pharisee-like facade of I'm righteous and holy at all times stays in place. Although they usually are saved, they're not open to sharing their own past failures or their successes to help others in the church. They haven't eliminated their pride and embraced the humility of Christ. Men are falling away from the church because of this type of hypocrisy, because of unforgiveness, because of continual sin and because of the lack of accountability. And when men fall, our families fall as well. And when our family falls, the community begins to fall, and so forth and so on, and it's an awful snowball effect. The three groups of men described aren't the only kind of men in the church, but they're the most evident. And because of their lukewarm attitude towards Christianity, complacency has become Satan's most powerful tool. We need to change the mindset of the church and learn to be a community full of God-fearing, loving, honest men. Men who take one another under their wings to disciple and mentor. Men who will be bold and who will learn to hold each other accountable by the word of God. We need to grasp the urgency for change, for us to be intentional in our Christian walk. If we don't change, an entire generation of our children is going to be in dire straits. But in order to affect these three groups of men, we have to start with ourselves. We have to take 2 Peter 1 to heart and start applying diligence to, in our faith. The Christian walk takes discipline and we must be willing to change personally before we can change anyone else. If you're tired of being a spiritual wimp, Jesus is the mentor that you should start with. Any man who can go 40 days without eating is no wimp. 
but that isn't the only reason we should start with Jesus. The Bible tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. And if we want to get to God, it's only through Jesus. Jesus spent his adult life teaching the difference between religion and relationship. He showed us the difference in the way that he spent his spare time. It was spent with God the Father daily. No matter how busy, no matter how dire the situation, Jesus always looked for time to spend with God. His time spent with God allowed him to feel comfort in his purpose and to find peace in the knowledge that what he was doing was God's will and not his own. Could Jesus have known his purpose without praying? Or could he have found peace without praying? Of course he could have. He was God. But when God gave us his son as our example for life, he needed to show us the best way to spend time with the Father, and that was through prayer. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're in God's will? Do you have peace like a river? If you don't, how much time are you spending with God? Minutes? Hours? Days? This time spent with God will ultimately keep you from being a spiritual wimp. In order for us to affect change in our lives, our families, our church and the world, we must become godly men seeking a relationship with Jesus. The time spent with him will dictate how godly you become. The time spent with Jesus will also dictate how the rest of your life falls into place. Not that being in God's will is easy or that it's a magic formula to a happy life, but this time in prayer will give you strength when you're in trials, humbleness when you are proud, forgiveness when you want revenge, and love when you want to hate. This time with Jesus will begin to affect the rest of your life for the better, and it starts with you and God through Jesus. This personal time will then affect your marriage, which will in turn affect your family, which will in turn affect your church, which will in turn affect the world. God is looking for godly, manly men to make a difference for his kingdom. And you can't just sit back and wait for someone else to do it. Let's stop being spiritual sissies and embrace the challenge. God's not looking for someone who can chew steel and bend iron, but a man who'll serve others and pray with his wife and read the word to his kids and be a godly example to those around him. Begin by kneeling, then pray and listen. God will lead you away from being a spiritual sissy and when you seek his face. Begin by kneeling and then pray and listen. God will lead you away from being a spiritual wimp when you seek his face. He says in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you and I'll tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. John 3:30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. This is where you and I need to get out of the way. With us in the way, God's will cannot be done and we will continue to be spiritual sissies. In order for God to finish the good work he started in us, we must repent of the sins that hinder us from being used by God. It's hard and it's humbling for a man to do, but you should really fall on your knees and beg God to forgive you of the sins that are currently in your life. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To begin the process of learning to man up, we need to start with a heart transplant. Not literally, but spiritually. We begin by asking God to cleanse us and forgive us and renew us to be the new creation we became at salvation. Before you go any further, you need to stop right now and ask God to forgive you. And with that behind you, His will can be done. With His clean starts a clean slate in order for God to begin making the changes needed in your life. You need to read your Bible. If you've been a Christian for any extended period of time, you've heard people tell you to read your Bible. You might even have heard Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. So why is it so hard to read it? Because, like most new things, we don't know how. Most of us start in Genesis and try to work our way to a revelation. We start off fast and furious, but by the time we hit Numbers and Deuteronomy, we're spent. We don't get the share in the power of God's word because we don't allow it to soak in, so we quit. It's a lot like exercise. After a few weeks of sweating, we start to get discouraged when we don't see the instant results. But if we would just keep going, the change would be noticeable in the way that we look and feel. Reading the Bible is the same way. We have to stick to it in order to see the results. When I first got saved in 2003, I began reading my Bible every day, and my goal was to finish it all the way through. And it didn't take me long once I put my mind to it. Through the process of reading it, I started to see changes in my life, and so did others. One of the first things I noticed was my language changed. Having been a fisherman for years, I've put swear words together in combinations that some people haven't even thought of yet. But after reading the Bible, that transformation took place. That was one of the first things to go, and it was noticeable. The Word of God began to take over my life in ways I wasn't expecting. By continuing to read the Bible, I've become a better husband. I've taken over the role as a spiritual head of the household. I've become a better father, and I've become a better member of my church. I learned to serve and not just sit. Slowly but surely, God was changing me from the inside out. You need to make it a habit to read your Bible every day. Someone once said, don't eat physically until you eat spiritually. And I've tried to make that a part of my life because you can't use the word in your life unless you read it. There's a ton of books on how to read your Bible, but I'd suggest that you pick the actual Bible up and start reading it chronologically in the order that the events happen in history. And that allows you to read it in a smooth, flowing context based on the events as they occurred in real time. It might help you understand the rhyme and reason of the Bible too. And if this method doesn't work for you, find one that does. No matter what method you use, just pick it up, open it and read it. And once you've become consistent in your Bible reading, start a Bible study. Not with a group, but on your own. Read through the scripture, small segments at a time. Get a dictionary, a concordance and a commentary and start really digging into scripture to find out more and more about the history, the authors, and the people God used to tell his story. By doing this, you'll gain a better appreciation for the words that are written on the page. Once you've started to feel the words God has written, start imparting them to others. Allow God's words to work through you to impact someone else's life. And don't stop reading. There's never an ending point to scripture. Once you think you have it all figured out, you'll see something in the word that you've never seen before. You may have read it a thousand times, but never that scripture in that way. The word never changes, but we do. We have seasons in our life that allows the word to pierce us differently than the last time we read it. Start by repenting of your sins. Begin reading your Bible every day and don't stop reading and then pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. If you can learn anything from Jesus, it's how to pray. We seem to take this point for granted, which means we're real spiritual wimps when it comes to prayer. We're really good at the microwave prayers. Dear Lord, help me with this, or Lord, can you do that, or this, or the other. But we don't take time to really get in touch with God through prayer. To have a heartfelt conversation with God is something lukewarm Christians have had a hard time doing. 
pride, sin, or laziness keeps us from truly communicating with God, and yet this is where we need discipline the most. The twelve apostles saw Jesus do miracles, preach great sermons, and stump some of the greatest minds of his time, but the one thing they asked Jesus was about prayer. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. If that had been me, I would have asked him to teach me how to do that cool walking on water thing or, or raise people from the dead. They'd be pretty good party tricks, but pray. Prayer was so important to Jesus that the apostles saw it, and they obviously saw a change in him when he did. Prayer is the connection between us and God. It's our bat phone to the Father. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ gave us the ability to go to God on our own behalf rather than through priests. And yet, most of the time, we waste it. Most of us think prayer is something we do at the dinner table, and then we usually let our kids say it. Prayer gives us the chance to talk with the one who will show us the plan for our lives. A prayer life is essential to leaving the world of the spiritual wimps and moving into the world of a Christ-centered manly life. You've got to let it all go and pray. You might not start off on your face, but at least start off on your knees. Do it while you're alone. It's the most powerful time to be one-on-one -on -one with God praying while you're on your knees. I know you can have an experience like that. I know you can have an experience like I did. Just abandon all the cares of this world, the thoughts of what they think, and pray. Lay all your worries, sins, anxieties, and concerns at the feet of the cross, and you'll feel like you're in the arms of God himself. I promise you it works. You need to man up when it comes to prayer. Become a man of heartfelt prayer. To be like Jesus, we need to act like Jesus. And he prayed daily. So should we. We need to man up and get prayed up. Now the apostles made this request, Lord, teach us how to pray. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1. So Jesus told them how to pray. This is a really good place to start. And if you feel you can't pray or you just don't know how, start like Jesus taught the apostles. Now please understand this. This is not a prayer that needs to be repeated over and over again. This is a model for prayer. People have taken this so out of context and they use this as an actual prayer. But really, what good does it do saying the prayer over and over again? It's specifically designed how to structure your prayer time with God. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Then open yourself to whatever takes hold. The best way to pray is using whatever form of prayer that fits into your life, whatever makes you feel close to God and whatever brings you joy from being with God. It might be two hours of prayer all alone in your office. It might be a two-minute prayer when you remember to. But whatever or however it is, just pray. Pray for others. Pray for your family. Pray for your church. Pray for your issues. Pray for all of the above, but no matter what, just pray. Once your prayers become consistent, you'll find yourself praying and not even knowing that you're doing it. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And the more you do it, the more you'll start praying without ceasing. God wants us to hear from us at all times. God wants to hear from us at all times. Use every waking moment that you can to talk with God. Many of the problems you face will be taken care of the very moment you pray. 
God has three ways of answering your prayers. Yes, no, and wait. Don't get discouraged if God doesn't answer immediately. Sometimes God answers your prayers by not answering your prayers. As a matter of fact, keep praying and then listen. God will give you an answer when you're ready to receive it. This is a challenge for you personally. In order for you to become the godly, intentional Christian man that God has called you to be, start reading your Bible every day. Pray every day. Start applying it to your life and don't be a spiritual wimp anymore. It's time to man up. Would you like to run Men of Honour in your church or small group? To find out more, email us at menofhonour.club for a free resource pack. Men of Honour, making a difference in the lives of men so they can make a difference in their community.